Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Be in love with you, There, Ben. A little 38 special. I like it. Yeah, I'm just trying to hold on loosely to my Panthers fandom here. <laughs> I've got you a sounding board today. All right. I got you a sounding board today. Hopefully to calm your your angst with the Sam Darnold move. I don't know. I, I think I think he agrees with me. I don't know about that. I have to check the I'm tweets. Not- I'm not so sure. By the way, right before we've come on, Ben, I've gotten a little uh, loopy, so we'll see. Uh-oh. I know. I know. Tad loopy. Uh, we uh, w- we welcome you uh, in. Uh, boy, what a day yesterday was uh, as far as breaking news. We're going to get some uh, analysis and breakdown uh, on it for you here today. Um, but uh, first, we do have some breaking news. This is a special report on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Here's Patrick Johnson. Yes, indeed. Uh, It was uh, announced earlier today that uh, ECU's Purple Gold football spring game, which was originally scheduled for uh, 11 days from now on April 17th at Dowdy Ficklet, not going to be played due to the COVID-19 pandemic. John Gilbert uh, through... Uh, media relations making that announcement today. The Pirates spring practice schedule and the related activities were paused last week uh, before the program was cleared to officially resume action today. Uh, Coach Houston speaking at the bottom of the hour. That is not a, uh, as far as I know, a Zoom situation. So I don't know if we'll be able to turn any audio for that till tomorrow. But uh, that's just the the way it is with this practice. We are efforting to get uh, Coach in. Uh, one day next week, so that'll be uh, something that we're uh, working on. I can tell you that uh, we do have uh, Coach Dietrich uh, scheduled to join us on Thursday. So we'll have uh, kind of a big look at uh, this uh, pitching staff, which has been marvelous for Pirate Baseball this year. Uh, I think number six I saw him up in one of the polls. Perfect game, I believe. Had him uh, as high as number six, so there you go. All right, uh, other, uh, other news items from today. Hubert Davis spoke. Uh, We'll uh, talk to C.L. Brown about that. C.L. kind of broke that uh, story yesterday. And uh, C.L. Brown will be be the guy we'll uh, talk to from the News and Observer, uh, formerly with ESPN and The Athletic, and uh, now covering Carolina basketball. He was at the Hubert uh, Davis uh, press conference today. I just got to see little pieces of it. I had some info fed to me from it, but it, it does seem like that that sort of in the family feel is going to continue. The thing that I find interesting is that uh, Hubert's going to stay at his office. Roy Williams gets to keep his office in there. 
That's crazy, right? It's a little different. Just living there, living at the facilities. I, well, I mean, look. And uh, the John Ellis from uh, One Panther Place. Is that the, the website? That's the website he's from. He does some podcasts on the Panthers. Uh, I've heard of John, but you guys are really, as we say hi to Ben Byron, by the way. Hey, Ben. Uh, hey, Ben. You guys are all in on this guy, right? You guys know Ellis, uh, know of Ellis's work pretty I'm familiar pretty with his extended. tweets. I see his tweets all the time during Panthers right. games and in the Panthers kind of circle. I'm kind of excited that we got we, we need a new sort of look, we love having uh Zoki on, right? Oh love yeah. It. That's my guy right there. We enjoy having Mick on from time to time. Uh we're probably gonna have more Panthers. But when you do deal with the Panthers and you're dealing with people who get a check from the Panthers, you're only gonna get so far on opinion and thought. And that's not knocking those guys. Yeah. I think Zoki's actually pretty candid. But Zoki's also got a lot in the bank as far as credibility. So it's good to kind of have that extra Panthers voice that is not overused, that has an opinion on the team and some insight. So this is, I think this is kind of a good thing today. We're going to have him on, don't you? Oh yeah. He's got a lot of, I don't He's got a lot of hot takes on his Twitter. I find myself disagreeing with Ellis a lot. Is that right? So this is, this is interesting. I wonder what, how he feels about the whole Darnold thing. Well, I've brought him in today to try to give you a little bit of pause and give you a little bit of, you know, uh, comfort, perhaps. Because I'll say this, something we've talked about on this show, the guy Sewell, the the offensive tackle from uh, Oregon. I want it to happen, but I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Ellis, they're going to pull look, it off. Ellis, Ellis agrees with us on that. Ellis believes that the Panthers should take him with their first pick. So... I, I don't, you know, we'll see how it goes, right? We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited. I, the more I've studied this, Ben, the more I think this is not a bad play. Now, the other big oh, news no. out of, oh, the, the other big, what are you owe knowing? My, my decision on that? It's definitely, it's definitely a bad play. No, I don't think so. Look, huh. you got, you get him for two, the remaining two years of his deal that you've exercised the player option, right? He's cheap. He's going to wind up being cheaper than, uh, Bridgewater, which I was going to get to that in a moment. You still got Bridgewater. Right now. And I do think that... You're getting rid of him either. Maybe not. Let me <laughs> let me get to my all point right, on, right, right. on Darnold here. I was I'll, going to I'll go to quiet. Bridgewater. No, no. It's just I want to make my Darnold point. Because uh, what do you have after two years? Because, look, they're not going to win anything the next two years, right? Right? Panthers? In, yeah. No, not next I, year. I don't think so. Right. You got a coach with a seven-year deal? You want to get to the nice, meaty four, last four years of that deal before you worry about winning and losing and not rebuilding. So you, you kick the tires on Darnold for two years? If he's not the guy, you don't resign him. What are you out? And now, the idea that you were going to have two really quality, well, I shouldn't say quality, two guys that have started in the NFL, um, but Bridgewater wants out now. So three and out Teddy wants out of Charlotte. He's been, he's asked for, and I guess received the rights to be traded. Is that, or the uh, privileged or, or the request to be traded? Is that correct, Ben? That's correct. But my thing is, I, I don't, I don't see how, who's going to take him. Who's going to take that contract? I mean, he can win out all he wants, but it's going to come down to if we trade him, we're going to have to take a hit somehow. Either it's going to be draft picks or 
a player we might not want to get rid of. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a hefty contract. I don't see people taking it on for a— Maybe not, but you might could get rid of him during the season. Somebody's going to need a quarterback at some point, right? Right. There you go. Would you rather just wait till a draft, tank for the draft, get a guy like, I don't know, Sam Howell or whoever's the next big prospect next year? They're not going to do that. They've got their guy for the next two years and maybe beyond. Oh. <laughs> You're disgusted. Why are you I don't disgusted? Like this. No. I, I know you don't. We're going to talk to Ellis. Ellis is going to try to get us straight on all this. Uh, back to the uh, Hubert Davis hiring uh, today or the official press conference of his hiring today. I, I found it quite interesting. And it was a very, you know, he, he said all the right things. He struck a lot of the right chords. Tar Heel Nation is fired up. He wants Walker Kessler back. I saw a little bit of that. I, look, and I don't blame him. He he's Hubert is going to modernize what uh, Roy Williams has done. Now, they're going to still do things that Roy Williams has done. There, there's two decades of framework laid in that program. He's not coming in and reinventing the wheel. I just I do find it so odd and interesting though that he's talking about not moving into the main basketball office and letting Roy Williams have that. There were some people that had said to me they really thought Roy Williams was going to be back, like he would change his mind over the weekend or something. Hey, that's why his office is still it's still in there. I, well, I just I think that's you know Dean Smith and Guthridge kept an office in the, in the D and that's that's fine I mean they're the <laughs> yeah but I just that that's just so out of and you'll hear that well it's the Carolina family stuff but that, that just doesn't this poor guy Hubert Davis who's a, who's a bright guy who's uh knows basketball who's a great person uh a, a really really tremendous communicator well respected by the players well respected in basketball circles he knows basketball. He played in the NBA. The guy knows basketball. But he, you know, he hasn't ever been the head coach outside of the JV team. And I just, I think to have Roy, I mean, Roy Williams, go enjoy the house he just built out in Pinehurst. Enjoy all your go drip, to, all your swag, all your Jordans. Go to the beach. Go to your place in the mountains. Get away. Go Get play out golf. Of here. I, I just, you know. You don't want people around who had the job before you. You know what I mean? The, the situations just don't work. It's just right or whether the intentions are as pure as the wind-driven snow. It just does not. That, that's that's adding some undue pressure on a, an already pretty pressure-packed situation. And all of this today, where everybody was really excited and he's our guy and all that. I mean, look, this is just because he's not. He, it's going to be his first time, first go around. There aren't a whole lot of guys he's going to outfox in the ACC in year one. He might have more talent than a lot of guys. But there's not too many coaches out there he's going to outfox in, in his first couple of years. Because he's got to learn. It's a learning on the job thing. It was announced by Bubba Cunningham on 99.9 uh, about an hour and a half ago that it is a five-year deal. That's kind of in line with what Jawan Howard got. And if he can accomplish what Jawan Howard's accomplished at Michigan as far as success, Tar Heel fans are, will take that all day. But we are now in the we-will-see mode. Um, had our Twitter poll up. It is winding down as far as time. It's been up here. And it started, basically, who is who's least likely to succeed? Sam Darnold as the Panthers quarterback. Hubert Davis as the coach of UNC. 
the majority is like six to four breaking the way of Sam Darnold. And I guess that makes sense because Darnold's not really shown you anything. He's going to a, a franchise that basically is with a new owner. We, we don't know where they are yet. We've been told the direction they want to go, but we're only in the second year of seeing where it may go. Oh, he wants Jerry World. Trying to we be know that. Jerry Jones. No, we, we know that. We know that. I, I've learned today, if I say anything, Panther Ben is fired <laughs> up today. This has really gotten Ben uh, in, in all his feels today. Look, I, I do think Tepper's a maniac. I think he would be incredibly difficult to work for. I, I think he is trying his best not to be Jerry Jones in the, in the sense he doesn't want to be seen as someone constantly meddling. Uh, but he I, is. I, I just, well, he is. He, no, he is. He is. I think it's a tough place to work. Got a nice a new lot. little facility down there in Rock Hill, you know, throwing his money oh, around. And that's great. And, and they needed something like that. Put a, I think put a dome on Bank of America. <laughs> well, that's a little little wild, but you know he might, right? I could see it. He wa- he's, a, he's he wants he wants to host WrestleMania, right? Jeez, he wants to host some Final Fours. Thinks they can host a Super Bowl. Why not? Think big, baby. Think big. But I could see where people would think Darnold would not succeed when compared to what ever that definition of success is going to be for either he or Hubert Davis. I can see where the majority of people in the poll believe that because the offensive line as of now still has major issues. It's a rebuilding situation and he's really only got a two year window. Would you agree with that, Ben? Yeah, probably, probably has a a little bit shorter of a leash than that, but I think only we know Hubert Davis is going to get five years. I just wonder where they're going to be in two years. If these first two to three years of the five years, the Tar Heels aren't terrible. I mean, look, Bill Guthridge took over a Final Four team. He'd have really had to have been pretty bad to screw that up. And that's not the case right now at UNC. That's not a Final Four team right now. They've got talent. But look what we saw last night. And Gonzaga looked really, really bad against Baylor. Baylor took it to him, punched him in the mouth early. But UNC wasn't hanging with either one of those teams with this current roster. Would you agree with that, Ben? Oh, yeah. And part of that is they got to recruit better at the guard position. All guard Boy, positions. Ba- Baylor's guards. Baylor's guards look like uh, they've been working out with the football team. Yeah. Whew. I didn't realize that uh, Scott Drew had been there 18 years. I knew he'd been there a while, but I, I didn't realize it was 18 years hey, ago. Hey, you don't make a winner overnight. Well, no, his first three years, they were awful. Now, they were coming off some, some some pretty scandalous stuff. I mean, murders being covered up. I mean, Jeez. he took over a program in really, really rough shape. So, I mean, credit to him for that. And I, I've just got to think, too, if you're Mark Few and Gonzaga, and if you're a Gonzaga fan, Mull talked me off. Mull called me this morning on his way into Augusta he was from where he was staying into Augusta National, and I, oh, he would not, no, 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 <laughs> I want to hear what's going on down there. And he, uh, he told me essentially that, uh, he would have none of my conversation about, uh, these guys being, uh, you know, Gonzaga being soft and overrated. Cause that's kind of how I felt last night. 
But they were they still are the second best team in the country. And look, so have Drew Baylor, Timmy. Yes, they do. <laughs> he looked bad on at a couple of occasions last night defensively. He'll bounce back. Well, yeah, he's only been out of high school two years, so I think he will. I mean, he's a four-year guy, undoubtedly. And Gonzaga will be back. Look, Mark Few's got one right now of the top two recruits, and he's honing in on the second best recruit for next year. Gonzaga's going to be fine. It's just they look like they had not seen anything like they quite saw. And look, Baylor did exactly to them kind of what they did to Houston. They were the aggressors. So, I mean, hats off to Baylor last night. Didn't make it all the way through, Ben. Got through halftime, thought we were going to have a game, maybe. Maybe next year. Yeah, maybe so. Hell, I mean, if you believe Tar Heel Nation, Hubert will have him there next year. So, <laughs> A timeout. And uh, If you believe we'll Tar Heel Nation, they were going to have Mark Fuse, the new head coach. So, <laughs> well, Some of them, yes. Some of them wanted it, but they stayed in the family. Uh, the first guy to break it formally was C.L. Brown yesterday. Uh, and uh, he covers the Tar Heels for the News and Observer. He was at the press conference today. C.L. Brown on the uh, Hubert Davis hiring next. The Patrick Johnson Show. If you ever miss one of our uh, programs, you can always uh, get the pod. 94.3thegame.com drops it as long as, uh, as well as I should say, Google, uh, Apple, uh, et cetera, wherever you download your favorite podcast. Yesterday, C.L. Brown was the first uh, to report for the uh, NNO that uh, it was Hubert Davis. Many followed uh, quickly after that, after uh, word leaked out from uh, yesterday. And uh, today, Hubert Davis had this uh, introductory press conference. C.L. Brown was there. We really appreciate him hopping on the phone with us uh, here because I you know it's been a busy several days for him. Uh, C.L., what stood out today? I think, uh, you know, as far as winning press conferences go, I think Hubert Davis achieved that today. I I think people just wanted to kind of hear what his vision was for the program and what they heard, predictably so probably, but what they heard is that he's not going to really stray from the formula that has worked for Carolina for this long. He he is at his heart and soul, you know, uh, a, a Carolina guy, as they like to say, and although he'll add his, his certain tweaks uh, and put his personality and his imprint on the program, it's not going to be like it's, it's a big overhaul from what uh, Carolina basketball fans have been used to. On that note, I find it interesting that not only is Roy Williams, as one would expect, going to maintain an office, but he apparently is keeping his office. Uh, Hubert's gonna, Hubert, uh, is gonna stay, Hubert Davis is going to stay in the office that he is uh, maintained. Uh, you know, I, I get some of that, but that is that, is that adding a little pressure already to a bit of a pressure pack situation? Well, I, I think it's, it's Hubert trying to have what is normal for him. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think, you know, obviously he, he looks up to coach Williams in the same way that coach Williams looked up to Dean Smith, you know, and, and has that reverence for him. So, uh, and, and Hubert mentioned, you know, he, he didn't like the fact that Coach Smith moved his office downstairs after he retired to kind of be out of the way, but but it was out of the way, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I think I think that's part of this formula for Hubert. He wants to, he, he likes what is, he's familiar with, 
And uh, make no mistake, you know, he's the guy in charge now. And, and, you know, the program is going to be molded in the shape that he wants it to be. But I, I think he'd like to, especially in these early years as he's the head coach and, and you know, just kind of getting used to everything, having that uh, safety valve, if you will, just having that older, experienced coach there, I, I think, you know, I, I think it'll end up being a good thing because I really don't think, A, that Roy Williams will be around in the office that much, you know, to where his presence could be a problem. And, and B, I really don't think Roy Williams is going to try in any way to micromanage uh, what's going on. You know, I, I, think, I think certainly he'll be there for Hubert to bounce ideas off of. But I, I think, by and large, you know, the baton has been passed. And, and we're going to see where Heber Davis runs with it now. C.L. Brown covering uh, UNC for the uh, News Observer, formerly of ESPN and The Athletic, one of the very best uh, in the entire uh, world uh, as far as uh, covering uh, hoops goes. Great to have him with us. We really appreciate uh, C.L. taking some minutes uh, with us here today on what has been a very, uh, very busy uh, several uh, days for him. I also find it interesting that there is a real effort to re-recruit Walker Kessler. How do you see that turning out? That could be very interesting because, you know, certainly even though Kessler entered his name into the transport portal, it's not a done deal. Like, you know, just entering your name doesn't mean that you can't go back to the school that you came from. So um, I I think what he's going to have to hear, though, is that, uh, there, there's, he, I think he's going to have to hear the clear-cut changes Hubert Davis plans in terms of playing style. Kessler wants to be involved in more, more modern-day you know, modern game um, where he could, as a seven-footer, step outside and take a three-pointer, you know, uh, be involved in a pick-and-roll where he might be a pick-and-pop kind of player uh, because that's what's going to translate to the pro game. And um, I think, you know, I, I spoke to George Carl for a story I'm, I'm working on uh, that will run later in the week in terms of the Carolina family. And that was one of the things George Carl talked about as being an NBA guy that, you know, Carolina was going to have to, and Hubert Davis was going to have to mix it up a little bit and run more isolation plays and run more ball screens and, and pick and roll kind of plays uh, to get, you know, to, to kind of update the system as it's been running, you know, for the past 30 years, 40 years of, of just kind of freelance offense. So um, it, it'll be interesting what, what ends up happening. I think Kessler could be a centerpiece, you know, a, a definitely a, a big time player for them next year if he did return. Um, and that would kind of change the discourse, I feel like, of, of what we expect this team to be next season if Kessler does end up coming back. Do you get the sense that other guys on the roster who were rumored to be wavering or considering to move on, Sans De'Ron De Sharp, who obviously is from our area and is going to test the NBA waters inappropriately, so it appears. Uh, but do you see yeah, these other... I don't think it's a test. He gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. He's done. He's gone, as the White right. Sox announced yeah. used to say. He's gone. <laughs> Little Hawk there, <laughs> little Hawk Harris, Harrelson there, he gone. Yeah. Uh, but but it but in all seriousness, uh, with with the roster as a whole, does this retain some of the other guys who we've heard swirling and swirling, and whose parents were vocal on social media? Does this placate that group so at least you retain the roster? Yeah, I think so because you know they know 
Hubert is a known commodity. You know what I mean? They know exactly what they're getting involved in. Um, they know what the culture is going to be like. It's not like having to relearn somebody altogether. But I'm sure they will want to hear, you know, some specifics in terms of, of you know, what exactly is going to change. But I kind of feel, felt like, you know, the everything settled down before Roy retired. Like, I, I, I felt like... Right. Um, the only things left were going to be people that, that tested the NBA waters, like Armando Baker. Even though he hasn't announced it you know, formally yet, I, I think he'll be uh, a guy that does that. And, I, well, I do think Garrison Brooks is kind of a wild card in terms of right. will he come back or, or won't he come back. So that, that, that is something that um, I think Hubert's presence will, you know, might sway him in the direction of coming back. But that, that's still... That, that's still I, I, it's a hard one to read because he's played four years you know he can go make money period <laughs> whether it's it's in the NBA which I think would be a long shot right now for Garrison in terms of actually being drafted but um, I don't think another year in college is going to change that you know right. what I mean he kind of is who he is as a player so it, you know um, I know by the end of my four years in college I was ready to go <laughs> You know, so I, I would I was, imagine even yeah. for uh, a basketball player, a D1 basketball player, that might still be the case. We were all ready to leave after four. We'd all go back tomorrow if we could. Uh, C.L. Brown is with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> C.L. Brown is with us here. Uh, I want to get your, your your take on just the timeline of, of things here. Uh, obviously, the Tar Heels were outclassed against Wisconsin. Now, a lot of that, you got to tip your hat to the Badgers, but it just did not look like a, a UNC team, even the one that we had seen uh, signs of showing some life in the waning weeks of this very bizarre 2021 season. So at what point does Roy Williams make this decision? And then how do we go from going into the weekend? This is going to be quick, but it will probably be the end of the week. Rumors about whoever, Jay Wright, Mark Few, Brad Stevens, whoever, and then we we wind up with Hubert Davis on a Monday. Well, I think Roy's decision, I felt like, you know, from what he said at his press conference and everything, was kind of made last season. You know, uh, it, it was a tough year for him. He didn't want to go out on a 14-19 year, but uh, I think then he kind of felt like the handwriting was on the wall. And uh, and also, just kind of with the changes coming in college basketball, he said that that that's not what you know led to his resignation, but it confirmed it that he didn't mm-hmm. essentially he didn't want to deal with some of the stuff like the the transfer portal blow, blowing up to like twelve hundred kids, and you know just how that's gonna coaches are going to have to adjust by recruiting from that transfer portal and and getting used to losing kids to it. So uh, I, I think that's the Roy part of this and the actual coaching search part of this, all of the names that, uh, you know, the, the Mark Fuse of the world, um, I don't think any of those people outside of, of the Carolina family ever, um, ever really were in the mix. Uh, I think all along this was going to be a decision that came down to somebody who had a Carolina connection. Um, and, you know, uh, Bubba hinted that that his it wasn't a search committee, but it was more than just himself and and the chancellor who conducted the search. But uh, even even the people who helped him out with this, I, I think they may have uh, 
looked at who would be a viable candidate, but never actually reached out to anybody else uh, because that Carolina family, it, it, it all comes back to the Carolina family, essentially. You know, um, so many players, uh, former players that Bubba talked with basically basically recommended slash strongly suggested, strongly hinted that it needed to be a Carolina guy. They needed to keep right. it in the family. So um, it, it kind of went from there. And I believe, even though Roy Williams didn't say this specifically, uh, I believe ultimately Roy Williams made the suggestion that if he were picking his replacement, it would be Hubert Davis. But I don't think he gave, you know, went in flexing and giving – trying to give a mandate that Bubba better hire <laughs> Hubert right. or anything like that. But, I, you know, I think Bubba took that, took that to heart, and, and it had the appropriate weight um, of, of, his, of Roy Williams' endorsement, and it just kind of went from there. Uh, a couple more things I want to ask you here. There's a bunch, but we're a little tight on time, so I'll just uh, I'll end with this, and, and we can have some of these Roy Williams conversations another day down the road maybe. Uh, but what is ultimately – going to be considered success and what what realistically could be success within this uh reported five-year uh, agreement that they have struck with hubert davis um i mean <laughs> i don't think what success looks like changes for carolina basketball success is final fours and national titles you know and and i don't think that will change because it's hubert davis uh may, maybe you don't necessarily expect for it to happen immediately in this next year, but within this first contract, you certainly expect Carolina to have a team that's contending for the national title. Um, and it, and if it doesn't get to that point, then there'll probably be some rumblings and, and it'll be a problem, you know? But yeah. uh, I think that's one of the things that he essentially said today. It felt like Mike Tomlin, even though he didn't say the words, the standard is the standard. That's what he meant, you know? So yeah. um, I don't think he's holding himself to any kind of, giving himself a grace period or anything like that. I, I think he feels like he needs to hit the ground running and, and the program needs to get back to, uh, you know, where they're expecting to, to make deep runs in the NCAA tournament every year. Hey, CL, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it. Always. Appreciate you, Patrick. There you go. C.L. Brown, uh, fabulous job uh, on the Carolina Beat, one of the great basketball writers uh, at C.L. Brown Hoops and uh, the first to kind of uh, come out and publicly uh, report this yesterday, as many followed uh, about 26 hours ago. Uh, Panthers also making uh, some uh, some noise. What uh, the new era uh, holds for the Carolina Panthers when we return. But first, Ben Byram with an update on everything going on in the world of sports, Pirate Nation, and beyond with your Sports Flash. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barmier for your 94th inning game sports update. We start with some news from Pirate Football as it was announced that this year's spring game will be canceled. ECUAD John Gilbert in a statement explains that they want to be cautious moving forward after the team already had to shut down operations after a cluster of positive COVID tests. From college basketball, Baylor, of course, has officially been crowned the NCAA champions at their feet in Gonzaga 86-70. It's the first NCAA championship in program history with Jared Butler being named the game's most outstanding player after notching 22 points, seven assists, 
three rebounds. Meanwhile, new UNC head coach Hubert Davis held his introductory press conference, and an interesting thing that was brought up was the idea of re-recruiting freshman Walker Kessler after he decided to enter the transfer portal weeks ago. Davis stated, and I quote, I sent a text out to Walker Kessler. He's a Tar Heel. I'll have a conversation with him today. He's a Tar Heel. We won him and his family back here. South Central alum and UConn center Josh Charlton is officially transferred to Houston. Loyola Chicago promotes Drew Valentine as their new head coach. And Mark Adams has been promoted to be the next head coach of Texas Tech. For Major League Baseball, the league has officially found a new site for their All-Star game, moving it from Atlanta to Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. For your 94th the Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Byram. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. All right, uh, looking at a night uh, where we're going to get down to 52, 85 tomorrow with lots of sunshine and a chance of uh, showers or storms Thursday. Just a one in five shot. Friday looks to be the better rain chance. Uh, Currently 81 in Greenville Fair Skies. Uh, Let's go to the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, A guy who puts out a lot of content when it comes to the Panthers. Uh, kind of a, a story in for the team. Host uh, the Roar podcast, OnePantherPlace.com. John Ellis uh, joins us, and uh, John is always a lot of fun during uh, a Carolina Panthers season or a Carolina Panthers game on Twitter, uh, for that matter. Hey, John, thanks for taking a few minutes with us uh, here to kind of break down the events of the last 24 hours. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem, sir. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy your show, and it's a pleasure to join you. You're the one. No, but it's it's great that you've uh, you say that. All right, let me ask you this: uh, We Ben Byram, who you talked to a minute ago, he's our, our our producer, big suit here in the company now. He, he's a big time guy, but he loves his Carolina Panthers. So part of this is, I need you to talk him off the ledge a little bit because it's not been a good twenty four hours for Ben. <laughs> uh, from what they gave up, I I don't think this is a bad situation for the Panthers. I mean. Uh, a six-round pick this year, a couple uh, draft picks next year, even though one is a second-rounder. Uh, you know, I guess we'll see what – I mean, to me, this has got a year, maybe two years written on it, uh, but the Panthers are probably – it's probably going to take them that long to rebuild this thing, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I've gone back and forth on this a little bit. You know, and I understand his perspective on it. The, the fan base has been about 50-50 on it from what I can gauge. You know, Sam Darnold's a guy, obviously, that doesn't appeal um, – it doesn't pass the eyeball test as much as a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance or a, a Zach Wilson would. And that's Carolina fans, I think, had their mindset on one of those guys. But the reality of the situation coming into this was the eighth overall pick. With, with all the rush of quarterback hype that's been coming of late, I just don't think they felt that one of the guys they coveted was going to fall to eight. And I, I think they probably had conversations with the Jets about – possibly moving up to that spot. You know they had conversations with them because they were talking to them about Darnold, and I think they just probably surmised that it was too much of a cost to give up for, uh, you know, let's just face it, none of these guys are proven, even, you know, Zach Wilson, even Justin Fields. I think all of them have a chance to be great quarterbacks. Now, Sam Darnold, uh, you know, his track record hasn't been great statistically. 
But, you know, we made the point on our podcast recently, and we've talked about it throughout our analysis today, that the, you know, the system he was in with Adam Gase was very dysfunctional. He didn't have weapons to work with. The offensive line was not good. He didn't have a good defense on the other side. Obviously, Adam Gase did not nurture him and give him the coaching he needed. So I think what you're getting in return now is a quarterback that had, you know, a top three, top four, top five type of grade in the draft a few years ago. Comes in very young, and he's basically Mac Jones's age. He's younger than Joe Burrow. So you're getting a guy that can come right. in and reestablish himself at a very young age. And the, the financials are not bad. No, now, what are they, they going to do with Teddy Bridgewater? That's a whole different story because those financials are, are a little bit, I wouldn't say crippling, but they're a little bit cumbersome this year. But I think it's a decent move. I don't think it's bad. And it gives Carolina some flexibility to look at other positions in the draft now. Where do you think they go with the first-round pick then? You and I talked today about We just talked about it at the beginning of the show. We've talked about it on here. Offensive line the kid out of Oregon, it looks like he would fall to you there. Uh, Sewell is the guy to to get. He's a left tackle that gives you cornerstones on either side. Sewell, I'm sorry. It it Mm -hmm. gives you uh, cornerstones on either side. But that's not going (laughs) to be the sexiest thing uh, in the mind of Panthers fans. So does this soften the blow a little bit? You know, hey, we do have a quarterback of the future, at least the guy we feel like we'll give a look for a year or two here with. Or as as Ben was saying yesterday, are they going to maybe go corner with that first pick? Which, uh, to me, while a need, it seems to be less urgent than getting the offensive line figured out. I think they could very well go in either direction there. I I, I do like the idea of if they have Panay well, uh, the the mammoth left tackle from Oregon who has tested very well. Obviously, he's considered the consensus number one tackle almost by everybody across the board. And he's got the potential to be one of the greats, I think, in this league for a long time. If he's sitting there on the board at number eight somehow, which looks like it may happen with the run of quarterbacks early on, it very well could happen. I think they'd be crazy not to put, you know, put, <laughs> run to the run to the table and put that card in as soon as possible and get Sewell in a Carolina Panther uniform. But they could go corner. There's a kid right down the road here named J.C. Horn, son of Joe Horn, a former. Saints great, who is a outstanding cornerback whose stock is rising right now, and I would love to see him in a Panthers uniform. I don't know if you can trade back and make that happen. I think you might have to stand back because his stock is rising a little bit. They could also go Kyle Pitts, who is a, just an outstanding multi-purpose weapon, sort of you tight end, move tight end type of guy who can move around the field like a Jimmy Graham, uh, but he has just incredible measurables. And, you know, Matt Rule was at his pro day, was there giving him high fives. He was right in the middle of it talking to him. So, obviously, he got a good firsthand look at Kyle Pitts. It's interesting. I also would say this, uh, just people I talk to around the league, I don't think this, in any way, the Sam Darnold situation limits their ability if a quarterback falls to eight, even if it's Justin Fields by some chance, or even, you know, the, the kid from North Dakota State, Trey Lance. Yeah. Yeah. If they're sitting there at number eight, I don't think it's out of the question they take one of these quarterbacks. I really don't. So there's a lot of options available. They could also trade back as well, as we discussed, accumulate some more capital. So it'll be interesting. I want to go back to one thing with uh, Sam Darnold here. We've got uh, John Ellis with us. Uh, one Panthers uh, place is uh, is uh, the website. You know, I, I nobody's called Darnold uh, all, an out-and-out bust yet because of the things you mentioned a moment ago. He had an idiot as a head coach. They had no offensive line. He had absolutely no weapons. 
He's coming to a place, though, where they have no offensive line. Uh, they have a coach who's only got one year really under his belt at the NFL level, but uh, a lot of people seem pretty uh, pretty high on the future of of, of that uh, and of Matt Rule. And then, you know, he does have some weapons. Obviously, you have one of the most, if not the most dynamic uh, running back right now in the league. Uh, some receiving op- options are there. Um, so, I mean, is, is this... Uh, and as you say, there's a little bit of a proven commodity. He's a little younger than I think some people realize, even though he's been up in New York and, and that. I mean, is this totally a fresh start for both sides here in that you, you can maybe see this working out? Or, or is he maybe – will we be able to tell pretty early if this if Sam Darnold's damaged goods? I think, you know, I, it'll take a little time to discover that, honestly. If you get about halfway through this season – and Sam is still turning the ball over at an alarming rate, and he's not getting it done in the red zone. Those are two areas that plagued Carolina's quarterback production last year was turnovers and red zone production. Teddy Bridgewater failed the test on that. This was very much an audition year for Bridgewater in 2020, and when he came back from that midseason injury, I told folks on our timeline and throughout our podcast and our other appearances on radio, look, these next few games, everybody's thinking about the draft and positioning and let's not win any games, let's lose out. I get that narrative. I understand fans think that way. But Bridgewater had an opportunity to prove himself down the stretch to be the guy at least for one or two more years. Obviously, he failed that test because look where Carolina is right Right. now with Bridgewater. They're trying to move him. They're trying to actively shop him. They've been doing that since the season ended. So what he's going to have to do, and I'm talking about Sam Darnold here, is prove that he can come in and limit the turnovers, uh, unforced errors, I would say that. If you get some errors that he can't help, if the left tackle situation is still in a mess, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if they can't protect his blind side, you can roll anybody out there you want. It could be Mac Jones, Justin Fields. They're going to get chased around forever. Uh, you got to solidify that left tackle somehow pretty soon. But what I'm looking for with Darnold is red zone production. If he can connect with his guy, Robbie Anderson from New York, from days of yore, and then you've got DJ Moore, you've got uh, David Moore they've signed, you also got Christian McCaffrey coming back healthy, Dan Arnold, a very versatile tight end. I think this red zone offense under Joe Brady can produce better with a more decisive passer, in my mind, just looking at the tape, in Sam Darnold. I just think Teddy's a little too reluctant to do what they want to do. So I think that's where they're at, and I'm interested to see what Sam can do. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's a rental, but you know, they have like two years on this deal left. They're going to pick up the fifth-year option, and then they'll see. So a lot of people are saying we're stuck in a cycle here. We're kind of back where we were a year ago. I don't necessarily think it's that bad. I think there's more upside to Sam Darnold. Yeah. But they they got to make it work at some point. Matt Rule's seven-year contract will mean very little to anybody in that building. Most of all, Dave Tepper, if they don't start winning some games. All right, uh, Ben, What you got? I know Ben's maybe got something for you. Ben, what do you got? So I know you were speaking about Teddy Bridgewater there. What do you see them inevitably doing with Teddy Bridgewater? Because when you think about it, if they're going to trade him, they're going to have to take a hit. Because, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, he's got a little bit of a hefty price tag, and it's definitely a risk if you acquire him in a trade. Then not only that, if you choose to cut him or let him go, there's going to be a, there's going to be a hefty cap hit there too. So kind of how do you see them handling that situation and what's going to be the inevitable move with Teddy Bridgewater? I think they, they've got to do whatever they can to find a way to try to trade, a, uh, trade him, find a trade partner. Uh, I know they've been trying to do that since they talked uh, reportedly with Detroit with Matt Stafford, and that fell through. 
But, yeah, they've got to find a way to trade him because, honestly, if they cut him loose, that's a $20 million cap hit. That would be gross. That would be a disaster <laughs> for that player. And that'd be two years in a row now where Carolina would not receive compensation in terms of trade compensation for a quarterback that was their starter the year before. In fact, Kyle Allen got compensation, but Cam did not. And now you're looking at Bridgewater. It's a tough market for Teddy. I mean, that gets back to my point here earlier, guys. You know, Bridgewater had an opportunity not only for Carolina's sake, but for his future to audition his skill set and his ability to close games out and be the guy that people could lean on. And he, he very much failed that test. And he's, I think Matt Rule was very clear about it after the season that we expect more from Teddy. Uh, he was very blunt about it. So, yeah. I think they've got to find a partner that's willing to take on that cap number. That's not an easy thing, though, because this contract was designed, guys, with two solid years in mind. The second year was always going to be the heaviest hit. Will Bridgewater restructure? I don't know. Why would he? Ask yourself yeah. that. If you're Teddy or if you're his agent, heck no. They've made it clear they don't want him around. Why am I doing them favors? So the contract is signed. I don't think it'll get ugly. Teddy's a pro. and He's a good guy. And I just don't think they need Teddy around next year with with Darnold in the building, and I also think they won't ignore possibly drafting a quarterback, if not round one, maybe round two, three, maybe Kellen Mond's available, maybe Kyle Trask, we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, they got to find a way to move him sometime relatively soon, hopefully before the draft, but is it Houston, is it Denver? I don't know. There's not a lot of teams out there I see biting on that. Hey, uh, great to talk to you, John. We'll get you back on. Really appreciate it. All right, guys, have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right, there he goes. John Ellis, great to have him on. It was uh, good. Enjoyed that. All right, uh, quick timeout, and uh, we'll come back, wrap things up next. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Tiger Woods uh, tweeting out an hour ago that he'll miss not being at the Champions Dinner tonight, running up Dustin Johnson's bill. Uh, a lot of Tiger talk today. It was, it was media day. Uh, Brian Mull's down there. We'll catch up with him tomorrow for a uh, live report. Thanks to John Ellis, One Panthers play, C.L. Brown from the NNO on uh, UNC. Ben Byram, intern Joe, great job as always. Thanks to McGee on sports. He was on standby today. I might have been loopy and out of it. More loopy than I am, actually. If you're entertaining that whole Sam Darnold thing, you're dying. Hey, something's I could, wrong here. I could be loopy. I, I think it will work out, Ben. I'm, I want to be optimistic. I'll give him a All shot. Right, uh, I'll give him a chance. We'll see. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow as well. Have a great rest of your evening.